Hi, and welcome to Heroes of Marketing Cloud, the show where we interview marketing cloud experts. I'm your host, Anthony. I'm the CEO and co-founder at Deselect. And today I will be speaking with William McMahon. William uh, runs Gravitai, a marketing cloud system integrator. And in today's conversation, we'll be talking about some of his very cool client work with Hayes, as well as Manchester United. We'll be talking quite a bit about AI. And we also talk about um, uh, Gravitai being a technology agnostic um, consulting firm. So with that said, let's jump into the interview. Morning. Hey, William, welcome to the show. Thanks, Anthony. Great to be here. It's an absolute pleasure having you over. I know we've been collaborating a bit over the past time, so I feel this uh, this visit to the show was long overdue. <laughs> it's but, so good. Uh, good, good to meet the master and the creator as well. <laughs> oh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, um, for our audience's sake, William, could you tell us a bit about your background? What led you to found Gravitai? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been in the IT game since I was about 16 uh, or even before then. I first started programming on a Commodore 64 when I was, I think, about six to eight. So pretty much yeah. had a, had my career mapped out for me, um, started learning to code when I was very young. Um, when I was uh, in 17, when I was in uh, secondary school, um, started up my own kind of web design business, uh, won an entrepreneurial award in Ireland uh, for that. Uh, just went into the IT career and um, self-taught myself business as well as IT. Uh, grew through many different roles from everything from engineering, coding, customer services, you name it. I kind of tried it out and um, it kind of kept my career going of just wanting to learn appetite to learn appetite to figure things out and then one day somebody put a label on me as a solution architect and uh it stuck i thought it was a great uh a great <laughs> title um so I kind of went uh landed in my feet um with exact target in i think it was uh 2013 or around then and um it kind of switched from building websites and uh, databases to now doing marketing and uh, really fell in love with the power of automation, the power of marketing and um, have kind of started uh, started my, my further career there and um, really just saw uh, when I was at Exact Target, just saw a real opportunity on market where clients were buying all of these expensive pieces of kit and really struggling to get the full capabilities out of them so they were I, I usually describe it as a rocket ship they've bought the rocket ship to fly to the moon they sit behind the control panel and they don't know what buttons to press um so started up gravity 10 years ago uh, with that focus of being vendor agnostic first off so it didn't really matter what technology you had um, I could come in, understand uh, your business, your processes, the systems, um, show you how to use it, show you how to get the most out of the system and get you get you launched and get you flying. And uh, what started as me as one individual, as a contractor, as I first thought I was going to build a business, it became um, a, a pretty big success. Um, we were... We got to the height of about 84 um, consultants uh, working full time with us, uh, shrank back down now in the current economic climate, but we're still, I think, about 48 people. So it's uh, kept us kept us in a business for a few years, at least, and kept me uh, yeah, kept kept me entertained as well. A lot of good projects, a lot of great clients. Great. Thank you for sharing. I have so many questions about that. Um, <laughs> cool. But but first off, just to be a, a bit of a know-it-all, I saw in your profile, it's actually since 2011 that you've been working at Exact Target. So I'm, yes. I'm certainly flies, huh? <laughs> it it uh. certainly did. It was thanks to Lego that it got me a job in Exact Target. I went in to do an interview and um, I'm a massive Lego uh, fan. been collecting yes. Lego since I was about four. And um, I went in with a little Lego figurine uh, to the uh, Exact Target office to do an interview. And um, never did marketing in my life, 
but I thought, let's be unique. And I put the little Lego figurine down on the table and I ran the entire interview portraying to be this little Lego figurine, all of its characteristics, how great this Lego figurine was. And at the end of the interview, um, wished, you know, thanks and, you know, best of luck kind of thing for this and great opportunity. And I turned to the interviewer and I said, well, I want to leave the little Lego man here with me so that if I don't get a job, at least a little bit of me is left inside the, <laughs> inside the company. I got a phone call the next morning just going, yes, when when can you start? And um, yeah, I absolutely just fell into it. Um, exact Target was a great company to work with, um, which is now Salesforce Marketing Cloud, of course. Um, but it had a great culture. It was, again, new business startup. And I think that also gave me the ambition and drive to to really start something with Gravity because um, it was very entrepreneurial. You're, you're pretty much hired for your entrepreneurial flair now, now help me understand a little bit um segue though i i'm a huge <laughs> lego head too i uh i used to have that black t-rex if you know what i'm talking about yes uh, yes another uh, one yeah that was amazing um but uh there's probably a link between people liking to build stuff at young ages and then ending up in marketing automation there's a lot of similarities i feel um, but talking about exact target, and uh, I won't dwell too long here because by now it is, of course, marketing cloud engagement, even not even SFMC anymore uh, mm -hmm. officially. Um, most people know exact target as an Indianapolis based company, mostly a footprint in the US. And I believe even at the time of the acquisition by Salesforce back in 2014, if I'm not mm -hmm. wrong. Yep. Um, uh, the, the footprint in Europe was somewhat limited. So, so how was that back then? Was it mostly UK? What kind of, uh, yeah, what, what did it feel like? Yeah, it was definitely like I was working pretty much on enterprise clients. Um, so I was doing both pre-sales and um, solution architecture. So going in, um, helping the salesperson sell it first off. A lot of them were UK and um, it, it did. You'd get the odd European um, country um, after that, but it was primarily UK based clients. Um, they could be an international clients, but again, headquartered, uh, primarily here in London. Um, so there were, there were big deals. Um, you know, you could be working on an opportunity for several months before, uh, it would come about. And then the design and implementation, there are usually huge, large scale, uh, implementation. So your projects could last, you know, six months or even two years sure. uh, to go through, um it, it's since changed of course you've now got marketing global marketing every country um it goes through it every every country has their own businesses as well that are big businesses in local markets but probably not known as international companies so everybody has seen the power of marketing the what it can deliver and they latched onto it and they kept growing. So you could see the growth from Exact Target coming first over to uh, London. Uh, when I started, the London office had just pretty much opened. So you could see how it was just spreading um, across the globe at that time. And it's even gone further now. For sure. And so across your vast experience, what would you say was your most interesting project or one of your most interesting projects? Oh God, it's a difficult question that because um, I suppose there's so many. Um, I've been involved with quite a considerable number of projects and they all vary. So um, if I narrow it down a little bit into mm -hmm. um, particularly uh, marketing cloud um, tools, um, we'd done one for Hayes Recruitment. Um, we've been partnered with Hayes Recruitment for a number of years now. And um, like that, went in to uh, Hayes Recruitment as an individual contractor and highlighted to them is that they didn't need just me as a solution architect. They needed a whole professional service to be able to implement uh, the technology at scale. So we went in uh, as Gravity, yeah, convinced them, you know, that uh, it wasn't just me. Um, we went in and implemented, I think it was about 33 uh, countries, uh, markets um, that were all operating out of uh, marketing cloud. 
uh, all multilingual. Um, we had um, a, a bespoke integration with their own um, CRM recruitment uh, tool uh, that was taking in all of that data, hundreds of hundreds of millions of records of job applicants, candidates, you know, job advertisers, you name it, it was all in there. And then started using Marketing Cloud to start personalizing uh, the campaigns uh, so that it was job recommendations based on your interests, your your career, your career path. Um, quite a vast at scale uh, implementation. Lots of other integrations with chatbots. Um, before AI, GBT, they were doing uh, these kind of chatbot um, uh, emails that were able to respond out um, to, to candidates. Um, then did their sales cloud implementation off the back of that as well. So they expanded um, quite large their technology um, kit. Um, so that was pretty, that was probably a really interesting one in terms of scale. But I think other clients we've done stuff with, every single one of them have a unique um, case of use case. Um, we've been working with Man United for the last number of years as well. They have some really, really cool marketing campaigns. And again, uh, kudos to the marketing team there um, because they're always looking at innovative ways of you know using marketing uh, in sport um, or even just digital communications in sport. So they have things like uh, match prediction uh, emails or campaigns. Uh, they have podcast emails that go out. Yeah, those can you tell us a bit about the match prediction campaigns? What's that about? Yeah, so you can pretty much like a fantasy football league, effectively. You can, um, it's not betting, um, but it is effectively trying to predict your score. So you have a league table on your predictions um, on any upcoming games, and then it um, emails you out weekly um, of your results, uh, where you yeah. are on the leader table, um, how you get, how you're progressing through the league. So it's really, really cool stuff. And again, using all out of box kind of uh, marketing cloud capability. Uh, so is that all based on on um, match outcomes that are actually stored inside marketing cloud? And then I guess using some SQL or server side JavaScript, you're trying to Exactly. You know, see who's closest. exactly that. So you had to have um, all of your kind of you know, nominated predictions, your your guesses, what what you're predicting the score is going to be in the next game, and who's going to who's going to score, etc. And um, all of that then is um, aligned to the actual uh, scores, um, how the game went, and it's uh, like that giving you um, results. So lot, lots of SQL, <laughs> um, and that was one of the things that we we helped um, the guys there in marketing uh, leverage with Marketing Cloud is just uh, understanding the SQL capability in inside Salesforce. Yeah, that sounds uh, familiar to me. Um, and talking about Hayes, um... You were talking mostly about marketing to actual candidates. Were there any um, campaigns set up there for, you know, marketing to Hayes customers themselves, like more B two B campaigns? Because I would, I would sort of suspect that that's part of the complexity of doing implementation for a company in the recruit recruitment uh, industry. Absolutely, like you've you've got so many different um, profiles um, to. Mm -hmm to um, target with so candidates is the obvious one, you know, who's applying for jobs, but obviously you would also have B2B um, marketing. So you're always looking for uh, the companies who are going to be uh, advertising a job or who have a recruitment need. Uh, so you also have strategic accounts on that because you'll have, let's say, international companies that um, will be having a, a role. It could be sat in Boston, but they could be happy for somebody to work in London. So um, you've got a huge complexity uh, with it. Even on the candidate stage, I think the candidate um, uh, stages inside is a lot more complex because um, which blends in with the B2B side or the organization organization side, because um, you don't want to retarget a candidate who has just taken a job 
for one of your clients. You know, so you have to learn how to um, both promote job opportunities, but also make sure candidates aren't just being continuously targeted and poached for the next uh, the next cherry that's dangled in front of them. Right, got it. And um, you mentioned scale. Scale in what sense? Is it scale in send volume, just sheer database, the amount of SQL that's running, and maybe impacting performance? Or when you say scale, what are you referring to? The just the enormity of markets scale, the enormity of data that um, is involved, like that in in jobs, uh, job advertisements, and candidates. Um, it's a yeah. pretty pretty big. Um, you could say data architecture um, that drives it all behind it. Um, Automation-wise, yeah, a lot of it is uh, run through um, through run through Automation Studio and SQL, mm -hmm. um, filtered down in, excuse me, into segmented uh, audiences for then then to use inside uh, Journey Builder, uh, and then within Journey Builder, you've got further complexities and integrations with uh, third-party apps as well, uh, API triggers that go okay. out from uh, Mar from Journey Builder uh, to, again, uh, update website personalization notifications as well. Very cool, very cool. Um, my The last client I ever worked for as a contractor, um, you know, doing a marketing cloud implementation, they had... It's not a bit similar in, in terms of market size, at least. They had 30 markets mm -hmm. um, and they had two brands and then they used, you know, they had both a, a separate business unit. So for those who don't know, uh, who are listening, a business unit in Marketing Cloud is essentially a separate environment where you can have your own data and permissions and whatnot. So, and they had a separate business unit or BU per transactional and commercial sense. So you had 30 markets times two brands times two <laughs> types of sending. So we ended up and then plus a few extra for staging and testing. So we had about like 160 business units yeah. that we had to deal with. So it was kind of cool. Uh, that's something I like. I love to geek out. Geek out <laughs> <laughs> Who's got the most amount of business units? It's, well, uh... I, you know, well, I, it was definitely not us. Um, I have uh, spoken with one media company, one's at Connections, and it's an American media company that just has many, many, many brands. And they have, I believe, over 900 business units. Wow. That's the record I've heard of. Yeah. It 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 has always been a um, the first question or the first architectural decision you make when you do marketing cloud is how you structure your business units and again it can go down through different brands it mm -hmm. can go down to country levels um, it really falls down to is who you want to have access to what data can the data be shared and if you are sharing within the same business unit you then pose the risk that like that germany sends accidentally to your spanish uh, segment so um, segregation into different business units comes in a lot handier but it also comes at a lot more cost because uh, it's not only additional license on a business unit it's also additional implementation on a business unit yeah and one of the big limitations there for me still is that in contact builder you can't limit the access to data but a contact builder is a much more feature rich way to manipulate your data even on a one by one record basis yeah. so yeah that, that's still a funny one for me you you can see the evolution of the system like certainly from the exact target days um i remember before journey builder was even released um we had the the problem statement from clients of how do i do um you know kind of a multi a stage campaign based on whether somebody's opened a previous email and it it was a real headache because you'd have to do a lot of automations and yeah. lots of sql queries to make decisions on the data that has happened and um i remember when they announced journey builder on its first release and iteration and it was okay but filled with kind of bugs <laughs> and uh, as you <laughs> as you get in the beta release but uh you could see it how now it's the, the whole platform has evolved uh, over the years um to where it's become now and it's still not perfect there's still a lot that you wish the platform could do better but you know you can see that it is still being invested into it's still um 
got its roadmap. Um, you just wanted to get there a little bit quicker. For sure. Actually, it's fun that you mentioned that because just very recently, um, I started a little bit of a discussion on LinkedIn mentioning that the marketing cloud roadmap is somewhat limited as they announced it at Dreamforce. Mm -hmm. Although I do think there's like very exciting features that were shared regarding um, mostly um, generative AI generated images. Yeah. Um, although uh, from what I get, you, you still need a type form integration, I believe, for those. So Yeah. It's definitely where it's going as an industry is AI. It's going to be everywhere. So sure. if you're not using it, your business is going to struggle. So it's mm -hmm. jumping onto it now and using it responsibly and wisely. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a lot of use cases for it, certainly in customer services and marketing. Um, customer services like that help and support Um can be all driven through um, through AI at the moment, um, and even has been. It's 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 always kind of labeled. They they just keep putting another label on it, and it's now gone from Einstein to Einstein AI. But um, yeah. it, it it's evolved. Um, marketing. It's, it's actually even uh, even Einstein one data cloud. That's the new <laughs> the new label they they uh, you know put on top of it. I think it's so funny because they've done this before with. People might remember Salesforce One, yes. Hyperforce, and, um, and now they also have Marketing GPT. That's also another brand they kind of released. Genie, apparently Genie got pulled. I, this, this might be hearsay and a rumor, so please don't quote me on this. But um, <laughs> apparently Genie got pulled because they got into a lawsuit in Japan over IP, and that's why they're not using that brand anymore. I heard, I heard very similar rumors. Uh, okay. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, it, you know, it, it's the one thing, and you, you've even heard it already on this on this podcast so far. Is we keep referring it to as exact target because sure. it, the traditional and even Pardot, you'll still refer to it as Pardot because that's that's what it was or what it's become. Um, so when the names keep changing, it's it's so frustrating. Like uh, Interaction Studio is one that it's changed its name so often and it, it gets very confusing for clients as well because you then don't know what you actually need to buy <laughs> so no, for sure i mean there, there, there's a, a an obvious product marketing benefit to constantly changing a name because it feels like you're constantly pushing something entirely new mm -hmm. so that can probably help capture exec mindshare at a large conference mm -hmm. but it is such a hassle for the system integrators to have to explain to your customers no this is just the same thing as before <laughs> Do it. exactly and the, the, the beauty thing of marketing cloud as well um you could do a lot with just marketing cloud you know with um it has its engine so amp scripting um i remember when I first started Gravita, he was one of our first customers. It was Just Eat. And um, they wanted to do a, a restaurant um, recommendation. Um, so every time you eat from one restaurant, it would recommend to you either the next week the same restaurant or it might give you a variety of restaurants. And um, we went solutioning it with um, Salesforce at the time. And um, th they were looking... Oh, Get what tool it was but it was um again a recent um acquisition that they had for um personalization of content so it was one of their i think it was an exact target acquisition actually not a salesforce yeah. acquisition but um i go digital that's what it was uh, i go digital is and forget what they'd renamed it to but um we went solutioning it uh, with that and what it couldn't do at the time was um a geo a geo uh, radius um, targeting of a of a postcode and um we were stumped we couldn't use any of the technologies that it was there so we ended up building it all in amp script and we had this uh, huge uh, recommendations engine uh, that could recommend to you another restaurant in your area uh, based on your postcode um based on the cuisine dishes and interests and types that you had and um there are loads of other different factors amazing, by the way you can well. go so far in amp script <laughs> yeah it, it, it was a lot of amp script but um it, it, it was just able to use the the 
you could say the underhood um, power of what was in the it was in the system. But um, that's that's what I really liked about marketing cloud is that you know you would find use cases um, or clients asking for something that would really push um, the system that little bit further as to I've never done it before, but we will figure out a way to do it because it's got all of the underlining uh, functions that you would otherwise need. Absolutely. Now, William, one, one thing that's interesting about your path too is that um, Gravity also provides Odoo consulting and that you are in fact technologically, um, uh, technology agnostic, excuse me. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Because that's quite interesting. It's quite unique too in your offering, I believe. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's, um, we certainly do. Um, we are, like I said, vendor agnostic and that has just allowed us to be able to help clients assess their technology stack, um, but also compare what are the technologies that are there and what's more suited for them. And a few years ago, like a, a small business startup as we were, we could never afford the Salesforce Rolls-Rice technology stack for our business. Um, we were helping our clients implement it, but as a small business, we just couldn't, um, couldn't afford the full um, stack and capability. So we had kind of settled for, as a new business would, you know, Excel documents for invoices <laughs> and then zero and then suite CRM. So whole myriad of, um, of tools. And it became such a headache for me as a CEO then that I had no in-house um, capabilities. We were always servicing our, our clients on their technologies and we had neglected our own. So I went off uh, looking for the Holy Grail, an all-in-one system that I could just put everything into and um, found Odoo uh, just by complete um, chance and um, looked at Odoo. It could do a CMS website. It could do CRM, marketing automation, event management, accounting, the whole shebang. And uh, I was like, this is pretty cool. And um, took uh, took a bit of a, a leap of faith with it. Um, implemented it for ourselves, um, migrated our words, uh, our WordPress uh, words, uh, website over to it, and then CRM, and eventually migrated our entire operation just running off Odoo. Um, and being techies, we self-implemented it. And it's like, well, sure. if, you're going to, if you're going to want to learn it, you might as well do it for yourself. And um, just saw that how beneficial it has been to us. It saved me about 40 hours a month of my own time uh, managing a business and um, just thought, okay, well, other clients could benefit. So we became an Odoo partner about uh, two years ago. Um, we're now uh, the fastest growing Odoo partner in the UK and Ireland. Uh, we're oh, congratulations. Silver. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I love it. It's, it, I, I have a newsletter called Drinking the Purple Juice, uh, which... <laughs> It, this is what I say to people is if you, once you drink the juice, uh, you see the power of its capability. It's phenomenal. So d doing uh, some talks uh, in Sheffield tomorrow, in London on Thursday, going to Galway in a couple of weeks. And then we have the uh, Dreamforce equivalent of, um, of Odoo. It's called the Odoo Experience. Uh, have that in November. So we've kind of really landed in the community it's a it's a an open source platform so you have a, a much um wider uh community um of developers um globally who uh have used odoo since um it's been around for about 20 years i think um so uh, it's got a good community it's still growing but it's nowhere near the scale of salesforce uh, salesforce clients are Certainly the kind of enterprise um, level clients, uh, Odoo clients are usually around the, the small, uh, medium business startups. Gotcha. And so in what case would you recommend a customer to drink the purple juice or I suppose the orange juice? So that is to say, when would you recommend Odoo or uh, Marketing Cloud? And you cannot start your answer with, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> Odoo 
is basically if, if you if you looked at each of the Salesforce clouds of commerce cloud, marketing cloud, service cloud, you know every um, Salesforce cloud, Odoo is one application that gives you all of that and more. It has its own accounting application that's the equivalent of zero. So it does depend on what you're trying to solve. If you're um, coming at it for a single use case um, where you're happy with the rest of your technology stack and you're not intending on replacing anything, then an individual uh, stack like Salesforce Marketing Cloud is ideal. Uh, if you're considering certainly a wider um, use case with Odoo, like in manufacturing, it's got its own ERP or it is an ERP system. So it manages the whole manufacturing process um, of your of your business. So it's got a lot wider use cases um, and it's certainly a cost effective um, solution. You know, it's still uh, there's still a license price to it. So, um, but it depends. It really depends. That's <laughs> that's why you come to Gravita because huh, what, gotcha. what, what what we end up doing is like that is coming into the business, understanding what what are you trying to solve, what you have already, and a lot of the time through our assessments, you will find out actually you're paying for this capability and feature in a, a platform you already have. Why don't you utilize that? And if it's a case then of their desire not to utilize it for cost or whether it's just um, too unusable, too technical, then we're able to compare what are the other tool kits out on market and make the best recommendation really for them. Um, because for us, uh, Odoo was the right choice for us. We've, we've uh, heavily invested into it. Um, we've got our entire operations running from one application and that's really what i wanted uh, i couldn't keep maintaining i think uh, it's about 15 different applications is what i had uh running uh gravity at the time so i just consolidated it all into one built a a team that then understood that one application odoo that could then maintain it and expand it that way very interesting. And what I really liked about your answer is that you actually start with um, a use case based answer, not so much, uh, oh, you know, if you're a larger company, you go for marketing cloud, if you're a smaller company, you, you automatically go for Odoo, because that's a bit how, for instance, in the past, uh, part of and marketing cloud were positioned one was for B2B, the other one was for B2C. And, and to a large extent, that was maybe true. But I know B2B companies who definitely needed marketing cloud and vice versa. Yeah, and I've seen the, the... The, the very same is that sometimes they've been sold the wrong product and you have to kind of go in and reset the whole thing, uh, reset mm -hmm. the relationship and you try to make best use out of what you have. Um, yeah. But then when they start hitting that ceiling, it is a bit of a, a sit down and have that conversation with you know the better application is uh, an alternative application and um just um guide them really you know being agnostic you have to be a trusted advisor you really have to kind of be on the client side not on a sales side you don't want to be selling something um for a commission you really want to kind of show them that the best application is, you know, suited for them because they're, it's going to, they're going to have to use it for the next five to 10 to 15 years. You don't want them to be stripping it out every three years. Yep. Absolutely. One of my first marketing cloud projects was also by far my most painful one at once because uh, um, um, the customer had essentially bought predictive intelligence, which which is a module. I don't even know if, it, if it's still actively being positioned. <laughs> But I think it's renamed something else. <laughs> I, I mean, if it is still around, it's definitely been renamed. But but I haven't even come across it in any other shape or form because essentially what it was was it was predictive AI uh, generated personalization for your website based on a product catalog that you had to upload in Marketing Cloud. That's the one. And you required professional services to actually get it running. And so here's where it went wrong. 
the customer expected rule-based personalization mm -hmm. instead yeah. of predictive. They, they actually uh, sort of Im imagined or expected some kind of full website personalization module, which it really isn't. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing is that nobody knew, not even on the person who sold it, uh, that realized that professional services were required. And so they actually, sales would actually have to go out and hire someone to support to us who was new to the product himself. So that was a, a very difficult one in terms of managing expectations that it's known in consultancy. <laughs> exactly that. It, it, um, predictive intelligence was that tool, actually, I go digital. Um, that oh, there you go. Didn't do it. It was the same, the very same thing. And the same we said if you ever remember uh, audience builder as it was oh for sure um, you know we 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 yeah. i mean audience builder is uh, sunsetting it's still around there's a few hundred companies maybe a bit less that still have it yeah. um it's one it's one of our it's a very common use case for us to to replace audience builder these days yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 we've actually recently done one of the the larger audience builder implementations that we replaced it was a customer that had um only their customer data was, I mean, their customer records were 170 million records. Wow. And they had one data extension with, I mean, they still have it. Um, uh, I'm not saying this is a good practice, by the way, but they store uh, six years worth of transactional data in it, and it has 1.2 billion records. Oh, um, but 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 we managed to to query the thing uh, with a little yeah. bit of um, um, bit of custom setup for them, but we we actually managed to use um, deselect to to help them segment, and so they're no no longer dependent on audience builder, which was a good tool once you got it up and running, but it's it it it's very expensive to get it up and running and maintain because you re rely on Salesforce professional services. Exactly that, and I think the, you know it, the excitement that marketers get when they get new tools and certainly with data is let's put all our data into this yep. <laughs> you know let's uh, like you said it's the resetting of expectation of kind of going yep. okay tell us what you have tell us what you want to use it for and we'll we'll guide you in how to doing it and a lot of that time is just bringing over the right amount of data uh, that you need because that'll save you a lot of other technical complexities in the long run and uh, probably get you out of a lot of um, hot water when you get a, 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 a an audit as to why you have all of this data in another system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, William, we've been talking a bit about being technology agnostic. One of the cool things of Salesforce is obviously the app exchange, basically the B2B app store. What's your point of view on that? And 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 especially what's interesting is you come from the exact target era. I even forgot what the original exact target app exchange, quote unquote, was called. Hub um, exchange, I think. Hub yeah. exchange, yes, that was it. Uh, share your thoughts. I think it's a very useful market in a place um, for for integrations and third-party apps um, it certainly has grown over the years um, it's useful for when you let's say have a, a third party that um, builds a, a good application integration i think for the sales cloud service or core we'll say there's a lot more apps, useful apps there for it. Um, but for marketing cloud, there's there's a select few. And you know, D Select is one of the the good ones that are there that really benefit um uh really benefit the users and the marketers. Um I think trying to keep marketing uh, cloud open or even the Salesforce um toolkits open so that uh, people can build and adapt onto the platform is a hugely beneficial thing. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's a freemium app or whether it's a full licensed app, um, you do find, you know, useful use cases for it. Uh, like I said, I remember the days years ago when even DE Select wasn't around and you, I often thought like, why, why haven't Salesforce or even exact target at the time why haven't they solved this problem of just being able to just easily segment? Mm -hmm. Because as a marketer who doesn't know SQL and I'm going in trying to teach them all of these wonderful, you know, predictive um, 
personalization campaigns and you're trying to teach them script and you're trying to teach them SQL and they're looking at you just going, but I'm a marketer. I'm I look at the strategic. So um, having the tools on like the select, you know, it, it's able to fill the gap, solve the problem that the vendor hasn't solved themselves. Sure. And, you know, um, I, I think, you know, maybe one day Salesforce do acquire the select and bring it all into platform. That would be uh, yeah, one way of doing knows. it. <laughs> Well, I think my, my, uh, cause I get this question a lot, obviously. Um, but I think my take on this is that whether you're Salesforce, Microsoft, Oracle at that scale, you've become a generalist and you're trying to cover, um, many use cases across a variety of capabilities and even different products and platforms in themselves. And so, um, and, and a lot of your focus is also on security, trust, mm -hmm. scalability, enterprise. So necessarily, you cannot be best in class for every single thing. So for those companies who do seek the best segmentation solution, the best way to do frequency capping, um, you name it, um, that's why they they reach out to us um, because um, Salesforce will get you far, but for many, not far enough. And, and that's okay because it is providing you infrastructure scalability, send volumes that no other platform can those kind of things so especially for enterprise i think it's it's i mean it's a wonderful platform mm -hmm. and more and more for um for mid market definitely as well and more and more even for smaller companies so i think that's um that's interesting um i love how you mentioned freemium along the way there we are actually experimenting with that ourselves so we're we're very well known for our free app the search app that anyone can get Great but app now as well. for <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, now for um, for deselect segment, so which was just originally known as deselect, now that's split off into you know just one of the modules we have. Um, we actually have it um, for free on the App Exchange, although of course you know it's freemium, so it's you know limited usage. And then if you if you really like it, you can still consider purchasing purchasing it. Maybe um, as we start slowly winding up this conversation, I do want to um, dig into something that um, you mentioned along the road and we can't escape it these days. It's AI. Um, I'd love to hear, uh, we can talk about AI in marketing cloud, but I'm also just very curious personally, how have you, I'm just assuming you found some use cases for generative AI, ChatGPT, or maybe any other app. So I'd love to hear that. It, it's hot topic. It's um, as soon as I saw it come out last November, I got straight onto it and started looking at use cases and it has immediately solved so much for me. So a lot of our time that we spend with clients is around writing a, a statement of work, you know, before we even start, um, start a project, we, Put into a really detailed statement of work and um, these statements of work or even a response to an rfp could take like a response to one rfp before would take me about seven days if not two weeks to respond we can now get it down to about eight hours ten hours work um, through gbt so it has a huge use case for it um, it doesn't necessarily replace anyone um, because you still have to be able to uh, compose um, your your scripts. You need to be able to validate what it's asking. Um, the same with development. I'd seen the very same um, situations where as a developer, myself in the background, you'd be spending hours programming and going to Google, looking up, you know, solutions and code and workarounds. Uh, again, eliminated uh, so much of that. So it doesn't necessarily eliminate you as a developer. It just changes. It's another toolkit that you've been given um, mm -hmm. that just really benefits and it makes it a lot more efficient. Um, only last week, um, I've been training uh, my voice on AI. Uh, so we're, what we're looking at as well is AI videos. Um, so uh, demonstration videos, um, training videos, that kind of stuff. And uh, like that, we've been looking at, you know, the voice of uh, the, the videos and the, the bottleneck. If it was, let's say, one person, you've always got one bottleneck. 
um, or do you do multiple people? So we've been um, exploring AI for, for that use case. Um, I've been looking at AI in marketing. Uh, I think you touched on it earlier as well uh, about uh, images and content and personalization in um, uh, in your emails. So it's going to be a lot more personalized to you than ever before. Uh, certainly when you talk video, um, so AI um, video generation is absolutely crazy scary at the moment is that you would be hard pushed to know whether you're speaking to an AI or whether you're actually speaking to um, a real person. And or, or even that uh, a 16 year old kid could actually produce a movie. A movie, that exactly. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's got its use case. Like it it has to be treated with a lot of care, a lot of respect. Um, but like with everything, it has a lot more benefits. That you know, if you know how to leverage it, and you're leveraging it for good, um, you can do a lot of great things with it. And I I don't think it should be feared. Um, it should be respected for sure. And um, just putting it too good because it, it was a bit like uh, marketing automation back in the day when we got Journey Builder and um, you you basically can automate it. You can you can reduce down uh, the amount of time it has taken for somebody to to do a job, and they can spend that time then analyzing, reflecting adapting, putting more strategic thinking into it rather than actually having to build it. And um, it, it's definitely the the future. I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, I'm pretty much signed up to it at the moment. And my, my best use case for ChatGPT just does remain synthesis. So um, summarizing, for, in, for instance, transcriptions. So for instance, if, if this interview, I would like to get the takeaways, I could probably just get the transcription out of Zoom in this case and dump it into ChatGPT. Yep. One thing that I have struggled with though is um, to use it for creative writing. So um, I'm gonna confess, I've actually used ChatGPT for my last, uh, today is October 2nd. It's been a few months though. My last article on my um, Founders Trail blog on LinkedIn uh, about the founder journey. But I've also used it at some point for a few LinkedIn posts. And um, it's interesting um, because what I, I mean, it was a fun experiment. What I did was I copy pasted like my last 30 LinkedIn posts that had good uh, engagement, dumped them into ChatGPT, instructed ChatGPT to um, deduce my writing style, my, um, you know, you know, my Your uh, style, tone of voice. And, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and it summarized it well, but then I tried to, I asked it to write posts and they're, okay-ish based on new content for instance i can just copy paste a success story from our website and dump mm -hmm. it into chat gpt and say rewrite this in my style for a linkedin post and it does it but it's always a little bit below standard and then i kind of notice and this is the most interesting bit the more i repeat it it's like it deteriorates again mm -hmm. yeah uh, even though i'm in the same session so it should really be remembered and even if i ask it what was my style again it yeah it, it caps it well yeah. But there's something missing there in the creative writing aspect. There, there is a, in ChatGBT under the new release settings that you can give it certain profile information that it will remember about you. So you can tell it about your, your style. But it is, it's an art form. It's almost another job to become mm -hmm. a script writer for chat gpt because yeah a, pr a prompt engineer a is prompt engineer that's it yeah, yeah. It, it, because it, it is yeah. exactly like that you can ask it or you feed information to get back and when you read the responses it it can be well written um but you do have to reprompt it or you have to kind of shape it into how you want it um like that i've had um hit and miss you know at the beginning when you're trying it out you're getting various results and um, uh, responses back but as you get better with your prompts and you know how to craft them you do get a lot of um, good good replies back from it yeah. but even if it's just for chatting company sometimes you know, I ask it some daft questions just <laughs> to see what he would come back with. Um, I, I, there was one use case I tried um, 
last year or so it didn't work out but um odoo has uh certifications like salesforce certifications but um not as strictly uh, monitored um so as you're taking your multiple choice question i thought let's see how well chat gbt yeah, answers these and chat gbt fails <laughs> um, so, um it, like that every every answer it gave uh, to the multiple choice it would say this is the answer this is the reason why you'd read it and you go yeah it's a fair it's a fair believable reply you, you know you wouldn't you wouldn't question it but um yeah the it just didn't pass the uh, OD certification for me that's funny that's hilarious yeah one other cool trick uh before we move on that i heard is um um whenever you make a prompt the last bit of your prompt should be and I actually should do this more often myself is uh, okay, after your answer, also tell me how could I, could I have written a better prompt yes. so the machine instructs you too, and I think that's also really cool. Or just asking um, it to confirm any, does it have any questions? Uh, I've noticed that a few times is that if you ask, you have to tell it what you want, but then tell it to ask you any questions, and it yeah. will come back, and then you can evolve that. It does really help it. Absolutely. Um, William, before we round up, do you have any parting advice for those who are new to the marketing cloud space? Um, it's a great space to be in. Um, maybe <laughs> bad economic climate to be in, but um, it is one that um, it's a fun career. You certainly want to have both a creative um, streak um, and a bit of a, a geeky technology streak um, to succeed in it. Um, keep looking at technology. You keep looking like on ChatGBT and AI, you know, what are the, the new tools that are out there? Um, don't be afraid to learn. Just really roll up your sleeves. Start thinking of new concepts and ideas and trying to wanting to solve how to solve them in marketing cloud or whatever the technology toolkit is um that is the only way you will learn and once you've got that appetite like i said it's like drinking the purple juice once you've got the appetite and you can see it 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 becomes a fun job you know you you actually enjoy analyzing data seeing what works what behaviors um, result in uh, certain uptakes it, it is really really fun stuff it's great advice. Well, uh, thank you, William, for taking the time to be on the show. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Absolutely, Andy. And thanks for your time as well and arranging this. Thank you for watching Heroes of Marketing Cloud. I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date about future interviews with fellow marketing champions.